it really is an honor to bring the word this morning and I get to do the last, the very last miracle um, um, that is taken from the book of John and it's uh, where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Um, <laughs> so we're actually just going to just start with the scripture. Um, we're going to start from verse 40 to 44 and then we're going to go a bit back and sort of see what was happening before we got to the place that we're at. Amen. Okay. So, John. <clears throat> okay, so I'm reading from the ESV. Um, so I'm going to take it from verse 38, actually. It says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by, by this time there'll be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you would always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may, be, may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he, had did, what he did, believed in him. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you for this miracle, Lord, and that, Lord, you have so much for us in this scripture. I pray, Father, that um, even as we read through it together, Lord God, that you would speak to us as individuals, um, that in the places that we're at, Lord God, that we would hear your word and that it would renew our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, um, we're going to just go back to verse 1 a little bit and just so that you know where we're coming from before we get to this part of the scripture. Um, in last week's sermon, um, we left off after Jesus had made the man to see with mud. Um, and, and then there was like a, a mini plot to kill Jesus. And from there, Jesus and the disciples got away and they weren't able to be found. Um, and this is the place that we sort of take the scripture off. Um, and if you move a little bit forward, you see that after this miracle, it's actually when um, the plot to really kill Jesus, it's like the Pharisees was like, okay, now he's just crossed the line. We are definitely needing to do something to get this man killed. Um, not knowing that actually it was part of God's plan. But okay, it's fine. Um, so, so that's sort of like the backstory and like the front story from the this, this, this scripture. Um, so we're going to go back to the beginning. <clears throat> it says, Now a certain man, this is verse 1, was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his, her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointments and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent, sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. I would think that if I sent word to my friends that, hey friend, I'm not, I'm not doing so great, that my friend would come rushing um, <laughs> to where I am, right? And that would be their act of love. Um, and it says in verses, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And we see here that instead of rushing as most or no normal people do, Jesus stayed where he was. Um, and it's difficult to think that this was Jesus acting from a place of love, right? Um, and I think as people, right, when we're in difficult situations, we tend to question God's love in those difficult moments. Like, Lord, how can I be going through all of this if you love me? Um, and, and we question God's love. Um, but the truth is that everything that God does, he does out of love, right? And whatever situation we are in, he has foresight and foreknowledge of what is to come and what our needs are. And however he responds, he responds out of love. Amen. Um, I love how God says, in the, um, the scripture says in the beginning, well, Jesus says that whatever happens, the illness would not meet, lead to death. And instead, what will happen is that God will be glorified. Romans 8 says, um, verse 35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. And so we see that even though it's a tough situation and we're not seeing Jesus go hastily as we would like him to, to the place where um, Mary and Martha are at, we know that Jesus is acting out of love. Um, in fact, if, you, if we continue, which we will, we will see what he says. Okay, so we'll just jump down to verse 11. It says, after saying these things, he said to them, speaking to the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Honestly, that would be my response too. I'd be like, you're saying he's sleeping. Why are we going to wake him up? Like, if he's just asleep, my expectation is that he'll wake up because that's what we do, right? We sleep and then we wake up. Um, but again, Jesus, with the foresight that he had, knew that what he meant was that Lazarus had died. Um, and verse 13 says, now Jesus, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may, be, may believe. But let us go to him. <clears throat> Jesus remaining where he was 
and not moving to um, Bethany wasn't just for the sake of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. In this scripture, in fact, we actually see that Jesus, not that he was glad that Lazarus has died, but he was glad that he was nowhere near the situation so that God may receive the glory from what was to come. Right? And the other thing that we see here is that he actually says that um, it was for your sake. I'm glad for your sake, not my own, not other things. It's for your sake so that you may believe. And we actually come to see that the miracle that is about to happen isn't just for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus who are going to be the receivers or the recipients of this miracle. But it's actually for more than, more than just the three of them, right? It's for the disciples. It's for the people who are around. And I think that's the beautiful thing that Jesus or God has done with miracles is that it's not just for the people receiving, but even, even us as conduits of God's miracles, like our faith is stirred up, right? The power of, that's the power of testimony. It's the, it's the whole thing of like, yes, a miracle has, good has received the, a miracle from God, but it's like my faith was stirred up because I saw what God did in Gutle's life. And so I believe and I trust in God a lot more than I did before because I've seen the goodness of God in Gutle's life. And we don't only see this with miracles. Well, we see this with the greatest miracle, right? And this is the, the death and resurrection of Jesus where... Um, Initially, it was always thought that Jesus would come to die just for the Israelites, just for the Jews. Um, but in the one um, death and resurrection, we have all been saved, right? The scriptures say that there is neither Gentile nor Jew, right? But we are all now a church of God, one body, um, because of the one miracle, the one amazing miracle that Jesus has done. What a privilege. Yo, what a privilege. Okay, so we're going to jump down a little bit. Hmm. We're going to jump down um, to verse 17. Yes. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. I can imagine four days in a tomb, your body started decaying. There's a little stench there. I, I don't do science. Um, so the next, the next couple of things that I'm going to say are probably somewhat inaccurate. But there's already started, like, your body is, like, decomposing and maybe a couple of maggots. I don't know. Am I? Yes? Yes? Okay. <laughs> Rebecca says yes. So there's a lot going on in, in, in um, Lazarus's body for four days. Um, and as I was reading and just like looking this up, I actually found that um, in those days, they actually believed, the, the Jewish custom believed that after, in three days, like during the first three days of your passing away, your soul sort of like hovers in the area just around your body. Um, and so there's a significance about four days. The fact that Jesus came the day after the supposed time where your body is now like completely separated from, from your, your spirit is completely separated from your body, speaks about how um, Jesus and God defies all of, our, all of our thinking, right? All of our assumptions, all of our perceptions, um, all of our theories, like he will, he will surpass all the things that we think we know. Um, and, and so Jesus coming four days later to do this miracle 
is even a, is a bigger miracle than probably expected to the eye, in the eyes of the Jewish. Let's carry on. Um, verse 18. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met with him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I read the scripture and I wondered if the way in which Martha was expressing this was in disappointment. Right. So two miles is not far. Um, I checked, it's about 40 minutes. Um, and to be in a space where you've lost your brother after sending a message to the one you know can heal, right? Um, in, 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 the, in the text, the scriptures, you can read that like Lazarus, Martha, Mary, they show up in different stories in scripture, right? And um, we see them and know them as people who followed Jesus. So I'm sure that they had seen and heard of Jesus performing all these miracles, all these miracles that we've read before. Um, I'm sure they might have heard of Jesus walking on water sure they went on the boats. Um, they would have heard of Jesus uh, walking on water. They would have heard of um, Jesus raising, um, raising uh, the servant, um, the R Romans officer's servant from the dead. They would, have, they would have heard all these stories. And so in them sending a message, it's almost them saying, Lord, we're expecting you. We're expect expectant of you to do something. We're not just telling you just, just for just. We're telling you because we know you can do this. We've seen you do it before, Lord, and we know that you can do it again. And so when she meets with Jesus, she's like, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. We would have seen the miracle of you healing my brother happen. He would be alive still today. And then she, she goes and she speaks something of, like, constant faith, I feel. She says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. So in my disappointment, although I'm disappointed, Lord, I still know and believe, I trust and believe that you are still God, that you've still been sent by God. And I think that's such an important thing to, to, to have that even when we experience disappointment, <laughs> I've I want to just say, speak on, on this disappointment. So the testimony that Gushle was, was sharing about, the whole thing of the expectation of a number of students, that, came, that comes from a space of disappointment where we've put in the effort, we've put in the energy, we've invited students, and like we've gotten the word out there, and then the people don't show. And it's like, okay, Lord, we will work with the ones we have here, but your Lord, we've put in so much in this. We trusted you so much for this. And it's a really difficult space to be in, to, to, to still continue trusting even though you're disappointed. Yeah. But even in, even in her brother's death, Martha still proclaims her faith in Jesus. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again 
in the resurrection on the last day. She speaks of that day, that day that we await, right? When Jesus comes back um, and we are all raised up to be with the Lord. That's the day she speaks of, the, the distant future that she doesn't know of, but she knows that well, her hope is that she will rise again. I mean, he will rise again on that day. But she doesn't consider that there's something that Jesus can do about the situation right now because her brother's gone. So that must be it, right? Then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus responds to her, I am the one that you are speaking of. When you speak of the resurrection, I am the way in which you will receive that. I am how you will live now and forever. He speaks of a reality of life after death. The whole thing of um, death in the flesh is not the end, right? There's an eternity to life. Um, on Saturday at our prayer walk, someone spoke of um, just the impact, the impact of her seeing how eternity is now, right? So the decisions that you make, the choices that you, we are making constantly as we are alive, um, actually impact what happens when we die in the flesh, right, or of the flesh. So if we choose life now, we're saying that we will um, live in life forever. If we choose death now, we mean that we will live in death forever. Um, I was reminded of John 3.16. I'll say it in the way that I was taught when I was um, <laughs> in Sunday school. I'll sing it even for you guys, telling you, this is a Sunday special. <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. <laughs> oh, God. But this is it, right? It's, it's the thing of choosing to believe in Jesus means that you're choosing eternal life. Um, and, and believing in Jesus and, and yeah, choosing to believe in Jesus is very important. But the other thing is, do you live in Jesus? Like, have you, have you made the decision to live, um, to take up your cross daily, to establish and maintain a relationship with Jesus? Because that's what it says here. It says, whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So that's the question this morning. Do you live and believe in Jesus? Martha's response was, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into this world. We're going to jump a little bit to verse... 28. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. I love how they respond to the fact that Jesus was there. 
just the, the hastiness in which they respond because they know where their help comes from. Um, Martha went to Jesus before he even got there. And when Mary heard, she did the same. She was like, what? And she, she left all the mourners just there. She, she didn't mind what they were all doing. There were people there mourning with them. And she left them all there. Um, and as you carry on reading, it actually says that the people followed her because they thought that she was going to Lazarus's grave. Instead, she was going to Jesus. And when she got to Jesus, she said the same thing. She says, verse 32, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid, it, laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And then the shortest scripture in the Bible, Jesus wept. Here we see how Jesus identified with their pain, how he felt it and was full of compassion for them. At the time, and I think even now, there are lots of people who believe that God is distant and far. He has no emotion. He's compassionless and he's just a stoic being. But here we see a God who's full of compassion, a God who feels, um, a God who, who, who was there to, to, you know, who, to see their pain. right? And even this morning, God sees our pain. He feels it with us. And when tough times are lost, are lasting, whether it's in grief or in mourning, we can know that we're not alone, that God is walking it out through with us. Verse 36. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there'll be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. This is what not knowing what Jesus is doing looks like. Because they're so stuck in the knowledge of Jesus being a healer, being a, a, um, one who multiplies food. They, they'd seen Jesus heal people tons of times. Um, but all the, the resuscitation and resurrection of dead people part was done in secret, right? Um, and this is the... So I feel like they had no concept of Jesus bringing something that was dead back to life. And they were just holding on to what they knew um, Jesus to do, right? Um, all the situations that they'd seen him do things. It's like, oh, he only heals. Um, uh, he only multiplies food. He can make you see, but he won't bring you back from the dead. Um, <laughs> and, but, but also, in that... Even though they didn't know what Jesus was doing, they were still obedient to what he was saying. So he's like, roll the stone away. And they rolled the stone away. Complained about it before, but roll the stone away nonetheless. Um, and I feel like we're the same, right? We don't, we, we don't know what Jesus is doing oftentimes. And we'll, 
will ask him like, why, why this? Why that? Why, why Jesus? Why? Um, and we'll complain about the little things that he's calling us to do. We'll be like, no, but honestly, um, 40 people is a lot. Like, I don't even know why you're making, why we're having to put in the effort. Like, why must I talk to that person? Um, why must I go that direction? Right? Um, it's the longer route, Lord. I just, I'm just going around the corner. Please, can I not go through, go through campus? I don't want to talk. Right? Yeah, when he puts us out of our comfort zone. It's like, why am I even doing this? Um, but Jesus always knows. God is always in control of every single situation. Um, and he invites us constantly to partner with what he's doing. Right? Even when we don't know what he looks like, he just tells us, gives us one sense of direction. He says, go that way. That's all he's saying. Just go that way. What, what's going to happen in the front, we don't know. But just being obedient to what God is saying will result in us seeing God move in ways that we don't know, right? in ways that we've never experienced before. So now we're back where we started. Right? I'm going to read from verse 40. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around me, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews there, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. This is the most public miracle that Jesus did. I mean, feeding the 5,000 plus is pretty public, right? Because you're literally feeding the people. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't like a loud miracle. Like I feel like when I was Jesus, this is a very loud miracle. Also, like Jesus, you're really showing off here. Like just saying, Lord, I know you, you. I know you hear me, and I'm just doing this for the people so that they really believe. Um, and the beautiful thing about the scripture, it's evidence of the authority that Jesus has over death. When he, when he spoke life to Lazarus, yeah. it showed the authority. He's like, hey, I, me, I'm above death. Yeah. So de death won't yeah. hold me down. That's what he was saying. Um, and it's also a foreshadowing of what was coming for him, but also for us, right? Um, we know that not too long after this, um, Jesus was put on the cross, but that he resurrected on the third day. And we now get to trust and believe and hope for and, and look forward to the day when we too will be resurrected, where we will go up, where we are called up. Um, and, and so death in the flesh is not the end, right? Jesus, when Jesus calls Lazarus out, 
he comes out literally like this. Okay, this is how I see him in my head. He's coming out like this. I'm sure he was just following the voice that he heard. That's all. Because, I mean, when, you, when you're blind, you can't see, right? You've got the linen cloth across your eyes. So this is what he was doing. Right? It's bound up, or maybe like this. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. But we do know that he was bound up. Um, and, and then Jesus tells the people, he's like, unwrap him. And here again, we see the invitation from Jesus to partner with what he's doing. He's just brought a man from the dead. And he's like, hey, so he's up now. Now help him. There are people that are in our lives that are dead, to, are, are dead in the sense that they do not know Jesus. Right? There are people who just recently started their journey with the Lord. And I'm seeing here how Jesus is inviting these guys when he's raising Lazarus from the dead. And I'm seeing Jesus also inviting us to be part of people's journeys. Um, when he tells you to talk to that person, that's an invitation from him to be part of someone's raising story, right? Um, when he is inviting us to walk with people, that's what he's doing. He's calling us to walk with people. Like, we believe in discipleship here. That's what it is, right? We're walking with people, being unwrapping them so that they can continue following Jesus. So I want to ask you this morning, whose resuscitation story is Jesus inviting you to become part of? This is a challenge for me. Even me, I must be like, Lord, where? Where are you sending me? But we've been invited to be part of such an amazing story of people coming to the knowledge of Jesus. Right? People coming to a place of holding on to the same faith and hope that we have of one day meeting him. The question is, will we obey? The name of the game is let him be known, right? That is the theme of this year, miracles, let him be known. And after whatever miracles or whatever words that we give to people, the goal is to let Jesus be known, telling people about him. That is the ultimate goal. The question remains, will we obey? So I'm going to pray for us this morning. If you can just close our eyes. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being part of this amazing story of people coming to the knowledge of you. Thank you, Lord God, for that privilege, Lord, because it really is, Lord, just the fact that we came to a place of knowing you, Lord, and get to bring others into your body, into your kingdom, Lord Jesus. We do not take this privilege lightly, Lord. We don't take the privilege, the honor of having people come to know you as their, the author of their lives, Lord, their king, their savior, their Lord. We don't take it lightly, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that it's not about us. 
but it's about you, Lord. I pray that you would help us to remain obedient to your word, Lord, that you would help us to see the people that you're wanting to raise, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would fill us with compassion, with love, Lord God, to speak to those people, to walk with those people, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you would give us the patience, Lord, that you would help us be obedient to your voice. Help us trust you, Lord. Help us trust you to, to even in times of disappointment, just fully knowing and trusting that you have good in store for us, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would move us towards people, Lord, as we're coming near to you. Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za. And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels, as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061 452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.